Hello and welcome to the Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with theindicast.com. My name is Abhishek and I have with me Kuku Paul, the associate editor at Forbes India, who's with us to talk about one of the most popular issues of Forbes India that hits the stands today and it's the Forbes India Rich List special. Kuku, good to have you back and you put this story together didn't you? Yes, hello Abhishek, uh, happy to be here. I uh, was responsible for putting together the list of the Forbes richest 100 Indians this time, yes. And, and is, is it a coincidence that it was released right after the cover which read Greed is Back? <laughs> <laughs> It's an interesting contrast actually, Abhishek. Even on our website while we were working on it and we released the rich list issue a day earlier and both these things were on the website together with Greed is Back and Gordon Gekko on one side and Mukesh Ambani tops India's rich list on the other. So. What objectives do these rich lists actually fulfill because we see them come out every year. Uh, is it just a list of wealthy people that readers love to read about in glossy magazines or is there more to it? Frankly, Abhishek, there is also an element of uh, interest among all of us, among the rest of us, and particularly among business people to know what the rankings are like. I mean, that's the basic purpose, of, obviously, to measure wealth and to see uh, who's where on the hustings. And it's an exercise also once a year that, uh, in a way, is a barometer of how business has done. For instance, this year, our list of top 100 richest people have a combined wealth of $300 billion. Now, this is much higher than what it was last year when we were just recovering from the whole slowdown. So, it is a barometer of the economy doing much better. And uh, for instance, if you look at the top two people on the list, Mukesh Ambani, who's at number one, and Lakshmi Mittal, both have lost wealth. Their networks have eroded. Mukesh Ambani is now at uh, $27 billion and uh, he was at $32 billion last year. That's been the story of the Reliance stock for the past one year really because RIL hasn't done too well. Refining margins have been down. They haven't done too well on the stock market. So that is even steel. Uh, Arcelor Mittal has been facing challenges uh, through the past one year and that's reflected in his ranking. So this is, apart from a listing, it's also looking at something like this once a year. Uh, helps you to look back at the year and take a look at how various sectors have done vis-a-vis -vis each other uh, also. I mean, whether, say, IT is doing well. I mean, everybody has been talking about the IT software slowdown, but Azim Premji has indeed done very well. His uh, net worth has grown substantially, and he's now at our number three on our Forbes India rich list. Right. And uh, he displaces Anil Ambani, actually, who was on the number three place last year and who's down to number six this time. So I would say, Abhishek, that there is, a, uh, the, I mean, there is an uh, uh, element here of uh, helping you understand how people have done. Right. With the four out of the five companies in your list hailing from manufacturing, especially steel, it tells us a bit about how that industry is doing. How different is this list as compared to two or three years ago? Any notable changes? There are uh, changes in terms of new entrants and people who have fallen out of the list. The list of what we call gainers and losers, that is uh, interesting to look at because what happened about two years ago was a lot of entrepreneurs took a lot of bets. It was really happy times and people went and acquired companies globally and they took highly leveraged bets. And that has, uh, in many cases, uh, not worked out very well. For instance, among the people who have lost the most in our list this year is Tulsi Panti of Suzlon. 
uh, whose net worth even now but is quite high he's he's still at uh, 10 billion dollars but it's substantially down from 17 billion last year so it's it's halved almost or uh, kp singh for instance who was in the real estate business and jay prakash gaur both of these people have lost a lot so real estate has been among the sectors where people who were investors have lost uh, substantially there are also some infrastructure players for instance gm rao of uh, gmr is among the people who've lost about 20% of their wealth because again he took some ambitious bets like buying a power company called Intigen which had not worked out as well as expected and the stock market at that time had given him a lot of premium him and other entrepreneurs like him for those acquisitions and as the years went by they figured that these didn't exactly measure up to the kind of expectations there were and uh, the net worth has fallen similarly on the list there are a lot of gamers people whose uh, fortunes were not uh, very good say last year and who have improved for instance on the airline sector we have naresh goyal of jet airways who has gained almost 70% because jet airways is doing much well loads are picking up and uh, the airline industry itself is faring much better another example of someone who's gained almost uh, 70% since last year is kalanithi maran of the sun group and he is one of the entrepreneurs that we've profiled in our special edition and he's recently bought uh, spice jet and uh, the market is uh, very very bullish on kalanithi maran and he's gained quite a lot right and it also has vijay male on your list and the irony is that the company is still in some debt about 6000 crore or so and sometimes it shows you how businesses and entrepreneurs are two separate entities where the personal wealth may not exactly reflect the company's health in in vijay malya's case it's very clear uh, abhishek that his liquor business is doing exceptionally well so even though the airline kingfisher airlines the listed entity is not doing well but united spirits his uh, liquor company has had an astounding run in the past two years even through the slowdown because as he is very fond of saying that people like to drink uh, during good times and they drink even more during bad times <laughs> to drown their sorrows so he is well on way to being the second largest uh, liquor and spirits company by volume in the world so abhishek don't go by the airline uh, bit his liquor businesses are doing exceptionally well and that's reflecting in his ranking yeah that's true the airline industry is peculiar in that way because i remember a very famous quote which has now become a cliche from richard branson he said that to become a millionaire first be a billionaire and then start an airline company because that's <laughs> that's very true and there are a couple of other stories that are circled around this list and one of them brings about how indian companies are going out and acquiring new firms and this is in stark contrast to what used to happen once upon a time during the license raj where because an indian entrepreneur like let's say a birla didn't get a license he was compelled to start his shop outside india so today it's different and in your interactions with certain companies were there any trend that you saw in this regard of we going out and acquiring like tata chorus or land rover other deals that are happening suddenly over the past 3 or 4 years we uh, went around uh, meeting people in business in industry as well as uh, consultants people like mckenzie mm-hmm. Uh, at the beginning of putting together this package for the rich list and uh, they trying to get a sense of where uh, industry is headed and where wealth creation is headed over the next uh, few years because it was very clear that the last 5 years have been uh, the whole story of india inc going abroad 
and and this whole birlas that you mentioned have been doing this much earlier because even during aditya birlas time but they were an exception at that time when most of uh, indian industry and all the big ticket acquisitions that have happened overseas have uh, happened in the past 5 years i mean people like tatas for instance buying chorus and birlas buying novelis and several others i mean it's been a story really of a lot of companies taking big bets as i mentioned earlier overseas but what's happening uh, over the past uh, one year and after the slowdown in the us is that the growth in the economies abroad has slowed down so much and india is such a contrast india and china to that that the opportunities here have opened up substantially so a lot of businesses and businessmen we spoke to said that they in a in effect they are uh, very seriously sort of pressing pause if i can put it that way on their international aspirations and looking at india as a large uh, market for their businesses i mean this doesn't mean that they don't go abroad one instance of where they need to go abroad for instance is the hunt for resources and that is as valid now as it was 5 uh, years ago people going out to acquire say oil assets or to buy mines coal mines or iron ore that is an exception so going abroad for that is one thing and there is also this whole group of uh, investors people like bharti or sr that are going abroad looking for markets like people going to africa you know trying to replicate the whole indian telecom model in africa you know which is about uh, cutting uh, prices to get more and more customers so that model is being tried in places like kenya and and in the rest of africa True. so in fact yeah. you said that these places are havens for experimenting because uh, there already the mobile phone transactions etc are way ahead and uh, there is a running joke in kenya that you can actually bribe an official through an sms because of the money transfers without any money exchanging hands literally so. <laughs> yeah abhishek the whole success of mpesa which is transfer uh, of money through sms kenya is a remarkable example of that right is this also because of desperation indian companies wanting to go abroad and wanting to get more people in because a couple of examples from your article also state that that some competitors cracked huge deals abroad and suddenly the others wake up and say boy even we have to do something similar of uh, that magnitude not desperation i would say abhishek it is a natural extension of business to eventually look for options so we have given the example of the gvk group which is a large uh, infrastructure player and they are active in roads and power and airports they run uh, bombay airport and they bought uh, majority stake in bangalore airport so they were under pressure as you uh, mentioned rightly about 3 uh, years ago when this whole surge to go abroad was on and they kept uh, people merchant bankers kept coming to them with all kinds of proposals to buy uh, into say prague airport and some russian airports and all kinds of assets in south america and uh, now looking back they're saying that they're happy that they just didn't rush headlong into it that doesn't mean to say that they will never go abroad and make an acquisition but they say that there is so much to invest here the gap for instance in power and in roads and the opportunity here is tremendous 
and the kind of returns that are available and and the airports business i could say that because i've been looking at that closely are uh, stupendous people are breaking even on greenfield projects in two years two and a half years which is very good for the entrepreneurs i don't see that kind of growth happening anywhere and is this also because of the fact that the new generation entrepreneurs they have their way of doing things you also have an article which speaks about succession planning and the companies are okay with having an external ceo running the show the succession planning story abhishek is focused around how businesses are planning the transition to the future i mean and this story we thought was very topical because of the sort of high profile uh, acrimony that happened over the past 2 years between the amani brothers and several other stories in indian businesses where we've seen families split in a very uh, acrimonious way there was this whole bajaj family uh, split that happened earlier and in our conversations with these entrepreneurs we figured that this was a matter of concern and particularly in um, family run businesses where the patriarch was still alive and they had begun uh, thinking very actively of how business will be run after them so for instance some companies some groups have put in place a family constitution where they have given every stakeholder a role and a say which will effectively continue in perpetuity after the patriarch passes on so this is something that they are looking at very seriously and trying to tackle and on the other hand you also have uh, someone like narayan murthy who was in the news who said that uh, my son will not join infosys at least for now so there are those yes. companies which are willing to say that okay you go ahead and follow your own pursuits oh absolutely abhishek that's yeah. a very valid sort of point that you've brought up and this whole succession issue on it is something that globally also we are seeing people like bill gates do that and the people are saying that it is not just your genetics that will decide who runs the company it's not because you have a rich dad and uh, you have to prove your uh, presence in india it is still very rare and uh, i mean it's by and large still we see the next gen that brings us also to this whole side about conscious capitalism what we call sort of wealth creation with the responsibility i love that phrase <laughs> and this is again another thing that warren buffett and bill gates have kind of kicked off on their global billionaires pledge that they have signed this whole attempt to get billionaires to give away large portions of their wealth so that they create something much more and much larger than just money for themselves right a few people from india doing it is uh, adi godrej who is at number 11 on your list and uh, so there are two things one is he is also considered to be a philanthropist and also the fact that one of the few indian family run business heads who has brought in an external ceo for each of his business units across godrej industries and he did that i think in early 2000s where they completed a 10 year change management plan so there are companies in india who are also doing it perhaps not as much as in the west that is so true abhishek another good example that uh, i would like to cite here and which we have in our uh, special edition as well is dabers where uh, again the group has professionalized the operations completely it's an fmcg company and they have uh, completely left most of the management to the ceos and they're also making entries into international market into the middle east and uh, turkey and places like that and it's being driven by the professionals rather than the family since we are talking about indian businesses any difference that you find between the forbes india list and 
the Forbes world list, if you can think of. Average age is one thing that comes to my mind. Here is 50, <laughs> out there, I think. Yeah. The famous example on the Forbes US list that was released recently, of course, is Mark Zuckerberg of uh, Facebook, who's, who kind of swings the whole age uh, profile down substantially. Yes, we do have a few of the younger entrepreneurs here, but uh, mostly a lot of the wealth is held by the matriarchs or the patriarchs. For instance, uh, Savitri Jindal, who is the richest uh, Indian woman on our list, her sons run the businesses, but uh, the whole holding is in her name and she is at number five with a wealth of uh, about $14.5 billion. But she is the one who holds the wealth on behalf of all the Jindal companies. And uh, that is true of many other uh, people on our list as well. For instance, in case of Palanji Mistri, Shapuji Palanji, uh, again, he's at number 12 on our list and both his sons, Cyrus and uh, Shapur Mistri are involved in the business. But on the list, we have Mr. Mistri himself, and which obviously gives another dimension from the age side. Uh, it is largely still the, the the heads of the family that figure on our list. Yes. Right. Any, any predictions as to how many of these from the top five will stay on the next year, probably when you do the story again? <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting question. By and large, I mean, it is not such an unstable list, really. I mean, so if you look at the top 10, there would be people who, by and large, were on the list last time. So they would have moved up or down. But uh, it's the same group of people, the same set of people that are still there. It's only the ranking that has changed in the network going up and down. At least for the top five it's, or the top 10, it's not as if people are falling off. So I would think that uh, most of these people are here to stay. People like Mr. Premji or Mr. Ammani, they aren't going anywhere in a hurry for sure. Great, Kuku. Thanks a lot for your time. And on that note, it's time to wrap up. Thank you, Abhishek. Pleasure being with you. And so let's see how this one picks up. And you also mentioned before we recorded that it is the highest selling, the best selling Forbes uh, issue across. Uh, is that right? This yes, it's our, it's our bestseller across the year and uh, there is a lot of interest in uh, wealth creators and wealth generators and uh, people want to read about it and how they've done it. I guess that's why we sell the most. <laughs> yes, everyone wants to know how much is the other guy earning. Thanks a lot again and for all you guys listening out there, you can download this podcast on the Forbes India website at business.in.com and also on theindicast.com. Would love to know your comments. And you can also subscribe to the magazine by SMSing Forbes to 51818. That's about it. Bye-bye.